today's scripture reading is Revelation 21, verses 1 to 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, adulterers, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulphur, which is the second death. This is the word of the Lord. Pardon me. Well, first, let me say this. I appreciate you saying thanks be to God after hearing that last verse. (laughs) Hey, we'll get there. We are at Resurrection Sunday. This place that we've been moving to, even in the book of Revelation, as we've been studying it. And we come to this passage seeing what has happened before. That Jesus is moving us to a place of recognizing what is going on in the truth reality. What is happening in those places that we can't yet quite see. And so I want to remind you that at the very beginning of this book, there's an invitation that Jesus gives to the churches. And he says, come, come sit on the throne with me. Now that doesn't mean that Jesus gets off the throne and lets you sit on the throne. That means Jesus wants you to sit on his lap on the throne. And in doing that, then he shows you how life is, what's really happening in the underneath and the above. Those places where we can, in some way, grasp what God is doing. And even in the resurrection, this place, we can go, yeah, yeah, the resurrection. But we see it through a glass dimly. We don't quite get All that it is. In this place right now, Jesus is saying, I make all things new. We like new, don't we? Yeah, we like new things. We like to get new clothes and we like to get new apps on our phone and and we like new types of food. Except when we don't. Like a new pair of jeans really isn't that great. It takes a long time for them to get old and fit into us. 
And every time they update my phone and give me new apps, I've got to learn a new way to deal with them. And like, I just like the old Instagram. Why did you give me this new thing? And new food? I mean, unless you're really adventurous. You like this tried and true, right? Meat and potatoes or tofu and salad. Because that's comforting to us. And so if we really think about it, and if you ever grew up in a church and you would hear about heaven and this new thing that God was doing, you're probably like I was when I was a kid and like my children are today and go, aren't we just going to be bored out of our minds when this new thing comes? Because we like the old. I know what happens on this earth. Yes, it's hard and there's tragedy and there's war, and, but there's also the things I like and the people I enjoy. So when Jesus here brings up John and says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away and the sea was no more. There can be a sense of trepidation for us because this newness can be awfully frightening and disconcerting. But on this Resurrection Sunday, this is the culmination. This is the completion that we're moving towards. That all of human history, that all of what's happening in the truth reality is drawing us towards. That we are walking on a very steadfast pace towards a new heaven and a new earth. That we are walking to see God's kingdom be fully fulfilled and, and shown in its glory. And that at the resurrection and at the cross, this weekend that we are in the process of celebrating now, it is the opening of this radical revolution of bringing forth the newness of God. And so we sit and we say, oh, a new heaven and a new earth. So it's good for us to recognize that in resurrection, there has to be pushed away, a doing away, a passing away of the old earth and the old heaven. Well, why is that? It's because the old earth and even the old heaven hold forth death and destruction and bondage. You see, the earth that we have, the earth that we're living on, this place where we're having our interactions, has been corrupted. Thus, Jesus came to die and make it whole again. And in his resurrection, the power starts to break loose. It starts to infiltrate the brokenness of the world and says, I will make it new. But by making it new, it means it has to pass away. Because the oldness only holds death and destruction, and bondage. John's, through Holy Spirit, through Jesus, from God, as he's writing this book to us, this letter, this prophecy, he adds this little line as he says, the first heaven and the first earth will pass away. And he says, and the sea was no more. Now, for those of us who live in a coastal town, that might seem reckless. 
For those of us who live in a coastal town, we know that the water and the ocean is healing for us. Most of us, unless you've been hit by a gigantic wave and then you don't want to have anything else to do with it. What John is doing here through Holy Spirit, by Jesus, through God, is letting us know that that old earth that is filled with chaos is going to no longer exist. See, because throughout all of the Old Testament and throughout all of history, the sea has been recognized as a place of chaos. That in fact, when God goes in front of Moses and separates the Red Sea so that the Israelites can have their exodus and move out of Egypt, it is a picture of God pushing back the chaos of the world. The chaos that seeks to destroy and divide and holding it back for a moment so that his people can move towards freedom. And in the same way here, John is saying when the new heaven and the new earth show up, the chaos of the old earth and the old heaven will be gone. Because it's been defeated on the cross and the resurrection. We know that because in chapter 22, we see Jesus being referred to again as the Lamb. That was slain that we talked about last week. We know that the cross leads to the resurrection. And the resurrection leads to new life. And so as that newness breaks in, it says chaos can no longer exist. Destruction and death no longer have its place. And then he lets us know what this new heaven and new earth is going to be like. He tells us, I've heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. All throughout the book of Revelation, where have we seen God the whole time? On the throne. Here. At this place, when the resurrection happens... Through Jesus, God is moving down towards us. And when the culmination comes and God reveals completely what his majesty is, it will not be far away from us. The new heaven and the new earth are the new heaven and the new earth because God is present completely in them. That our dwelling place is no longer a place of chaos, but a place of beauty and order. Now, let's be honest. There is beauty in this chaotic world. There is order within this destructive place. Hello? Those are present as a remnant of God's mercy and grace and truth and beauty. That we see those being present because God does not want to let this world, this chaotic world, be left to its own devices. Because if it were, it would spin out of control to the point of utter destruction and bondage. But in God's good mercy, he holds it in place with common grace 
to say, I will not let it go as far as it could. But we know that when his complete glory comes, when his presence is with his people and his people are with him, that that old world can no longer be. Why? Because in that instant, he is grabbing all that is his and bringing them in. So that they can see as it was always meant to be, this is my loving creation. A place that he says, every tear will be wiped away and death will be no more and there shall be no mourning and crying and pain. Why? Because the former things have passed away. That in the resurrection power, those things no longer exist. And then Jesus says again, I am making all things new. I am bringing about what has always needed to happen and be. And so for those of us who are in Christ, we walk in a place of hope. Knowing that the world is chaotic and crazy, yes, with its beautiful glimmers of God's mercy and grace, but that it is not the end. That God will bring about his glory in a way that will show forth so mightily. One of the places that I was reading about said God is the God of novelty because he's always making things new. He can't make things old. (laughs) He makes things new. And in that newness, we see this promise where Jesus says, I am with him. I have paid the price. I will give all things to those who need it. And there's a promise and then there's a warning that come to us in this passage. That would be good for us to see. He says to the one who conquers, they will have this heritage and I will be his God and they will be my son or he will be my son. He's saying forth to those who see the new world, those who see the new earth and the new heaven, those who see that I am going to bring forth my glory, they will be with me. But the warning is this to those who are cowardly and faithless and detestable and all those other things that they will step into the second death. These are those who cannot see the newness of life. That their desire so much is of this world. That their thought that the control that I can gain in this place, the pleasure that I can find in this place, those things that are just mere whispers of the glory of God, I will elevate those things to be the most important. That in that I am not moving into the newness that is given to me through the resurrection. But I am standing firmly in the death that is this world that is decaying, that leads to destruction. And so the choice is, do I move into life or do I hold on to my life? Do I move into the grace that God provides or do I hold on to the control that I desire for who I am and how I've identified and defined myself? Because in doing that, I miss the opportunity to step into where Christ has walked before me, which is to a death that leads to resurrection in new life. And so that is the the warning that is there. What is my priority? 
What is the thing that I place my hope in? If it is something of this world, dear one, it will pass away. But if it is the one, the Lamb of God, who sits on the throne, you will enter into the new heaven and the new earth. Not just there, but right now. As we move on in this passage, we see that the Jerusalem, the city of God, the place where he dwells with man is defined for us through the rest of chapter 21. But then in chapter 22, we see this identified as the river of life. And I want you to catch the intimacy that the resurrection brings for us in Jesus in this place as the completion comes. It says that the angel showed me a river of water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and, from the, and of the Lamb through the middle of the street. Also on either side of the river was the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. What a great fruit of the month club. And the leaves of the tree were for healing of the nations. And no longer will there be anything accused But the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him, and they will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and the night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. In a commentary about this, it reminds us that the earthly temple in Jerusalem, the high priest only once a year wore the sacred name of God on his forehead and entered into God's immediate presence, which was the Holy of Holies. But what we see happening here through resurrection and God's culmination, completion of his glory, we see God's eternal Holy of Holies coming down and being with man, being with women, And we will all enjoy this immediacy without interruption. Nothing expresses this immediacy more evocatively, they say, than these words. They shall see his face. This is the face of God that is no one is in mortal life could ever see and survive. But... To see which is the deepest human religious aspiration. To be realized only beyond this mortal life. The face expresses who a person is. To see God's face will be to be know, to know who God is in his personal being. This will be the heart of humanity's eternal joy in their eternal worship of God. That we are moving to the place of joy and worship. And while like me at 13, 15, 25, I thought that's going to be boring. Perhaps by going through Revelation, perhaps by recognizing the resurrection and how it ties in, we can move to the place of knowing that that eternal worship will be an eternal joy. That death will be no more. And while we walk in this broken earth, we walk as those who have seen God's face in Jesus completely. 
And so we are mirrors. We shine forth his image to bring about healing and wholeness in this world. Now, there's lots of ways I could have ended this sermon, and I've thought through a lot of them. But I thought it was interesting as I was reading. I found an old, old sermon by, the Bishop, by Bishop Melito of Sardis. And I want to remind you about Sardis. Sardis is one of the churches that received this extra little small letter within this larger letter that says you have the appearance of being alive, but you are dead. And later on, this is the bishop in that church. And this is what he says in a sermon that he was preaching about Passover. The Lord Christ arose from the dead and mounted the heights of heaven. After the Lord had taken our humanity humanity upon himself, had suffered for the sake of the sufferer, had been bound for the sake of the imprisoned, had been judged for the sake of the condemned, and buried for the sake of all who were buried, he rose from the dead and he cried aloud with this voice, Who is he who contends with me? Let him stand in opposition to me. I set the condemned man free. I gave the dead man life. I raised up those who had been entombed. Who is my opponent? He says, I am the Christ. I am the one who destroyed death, triumphed over the enemy, trampled Hades underfoot, bound the strong one, and carried man to the heights of heaven. I, he says, I am the Christ. Therefore, come, all families of men. You who have been befouled with sin and received forgiveness for your sins, I am your forgiveness. I am the Passover of your salvation. I am the lamb which was sacrificed for you. I am your ransom. I am your light. I am your savior. I am your resurrection. I am your king. And I am leading you up to the heights of heaven. And I will show you the eternal father. I will raise you up by my right hand. Oh, beloved, by Holy Spirit, may we grasp hold of that. May we know it to be true. So that we will not look and see the things that are fleeting and will pass away as those things that might save us. But let us hear clearly the mighty, glorious God in Jesus Christ making us whole. Let me pray. Father, you are good, and all you do is good. We hold on to you. You make all things new. We are fearful of that. We are fearful because it's not something we're used to. So we need your mercy, and we need your grace, and we need your comfort. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being that comfort. Send conviction and comfort. If there's anything that's not from you today, God, let it burn up and pass away. But if it is from you, let it take root in our hearts and bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.